This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about your emotions and the markets. One of the things that is so very true about investing in any kind of markets that can be volatile is that your emotions play a major part in the overall long-term success of how you do. And I don't think that people really give that enough credit. To think about the idea that your emotional state is going to drive decisions that really can make you come out ahead or behind in the long run isn't something that people spend a lot of time talking about. But here's the stark reality of the truth. In the Wall Street Journal, Fidelity released some information about the recent market downturn during the COVID-19 panic. And what they said was that 31% of people over the age of 65 in the Fidelity portfolios sold a significant part of their equities and went to cash or bonds in the month of March. Now, the month of March was at the beginning of March where there definitely was uh, the lows. And by the end of March, we had started to come up some, but 31% of people over the age of 65 sold at what may have been the worst possible time to sell. So what would drive that? I mean, most people, when they enter into investment planning, they are talking with an advisor or setting up something called a risk tolerance level. And what that risk tolerance level is saying is, hey, I can stomach some of the ups and downs of the market. I know it's going to go up and I want to make some money. I know sometimes it can go down and it can lose some money. But I'm kind of comfortable in this kind of roller coaster range where the hills are this high and the valleys are this low. Now, we haven't had a down market like that one that we had earlier this year for a long time. We hadn't felt that kind of market pain. And it must have caught a lot of people off guard in how they actually felt about risk because clearly 31 of the people, 31% of the people with fidelity accounts in this age group, if they sold off at a poor time, probably means that they weren't invested in the best risk tolerance level to begin with, or they would have been able to ride out that storm. But the thing about it is that emotions feel so sure about what you should do. And people don't stop to realize that those emotions might not be prompting them to make the best possible decisions. So let's talk a little bit about the market cycle of your emotions. And I think it's kind of fascinating psychology. There's really four separate stages that investors go through when you are investing in the market and things start getting bumpy. (laughs) And the emotions don't just start when they're bumpy. The reality is the market cycle means the ups and the downs of the market. And that means you're going to have positive emotions and you're going to have negative emotions about that. So the reason I want to talk about this is because I think if you understand your emotions connected to investing, you'll probably make better decisions because you'll realize that listening to your emotions might not be your best advantage. So stage one, let's talk about that. Stage one of the market cycle of emotions, according to Russell Investments, is 
optimism, thrill, and euphoria. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I kind of like feeling all those emotions. Those don't seem like bad ones to feel. I'm all in for optimism. I like euphoria. <laughs> I think that's great. So when is it that we feel that? Well, the reality is that most investors start by feeling optimistic. If you didn't, you wouldn't put your money into something. If you didn't think optimistically, it could make you some money. So we commonly expect things to go our way or we tend to, you know, expect some type of return based on the fact we're taking some risk with this investment. So let's just kind of think mid-cycle. Markets kind of part way up. So we start with optimism. And then when your account starts to grow, we feel that our expectations are being met. We're getting something for the risk that we're willing to take. And it's really common that we get excited about the possibility of even greater returns. And the expectations and the excitement starts to become really thrilling when we start seeing bigger and better returns. When I start seeing double-digit returns, in people's portfolios is when I tend to start seeing things like raised eyebrows and, huh, wow, boy, that's really great. I really like that. And the most common thing I hear people say is, maybe I should get a little riskier with this because if we can make this kind of money, I bet we can make even more if I put a little bit more risk in there. So when I hear people say that, it's usually at the top of the market cycle, and that's when investors are experiencing the euphoria stage. But here is actually where investors are probably at the point of maximum financial risk, where most likely it doesn't make sense to get a lot more risky because you've already captured a lot of return or you wouldn't be feeling so euphoric. So does it make sense to get riskier at the top of the market? The answer is no. So when we start to believe that anything that we touch is gonna to turn to gold, we fool ourselves into believing we can beat the market and we're not gonna be making mistakes. And that we start to think excessive returns, especially double digit returns, are commonplace and that of course we can handle higher risk. We can handle this if it bounces around a little because look at what it can do for us. So that euphoria tends to make people get riskier towards the top of the market, which is the exact wrong time to do that. <laughs> that is not when you want to put more eggs into the basket that is already overflowing. Okay, so now picture the market at the top of the cycle and it starts to kind of come over the hump and like market cycles do, the market starts to move downwards a little bit. So the second phase of the cycle, now we're in stage two, this occurs when the market stops meeting our new lofty expectations and it begins to turn. And the first thing that happens is that we start to get a little anxious. We start to feel a little anxiety. We start watching the market a little bit more like, gosh, what direction is this going to go? What's going to happen? And very quickly, anxiety will turn to denial, like, oh no, this can't happen. It's not gonna go down any further. I'm sure it's gonna bounce back. And then it begins to turn to fear as we start to see the value of investments decline. Many people will then start to act defensively and they'll start to think about switching out of riskier assets to a more 
defensive type of asset class like bonds. So when the fear starts to set in, the market has already gone down, probably gone down somewhat significantly. And the conversations that you start hearing are, well, I better get out of this before it goes down any further. And the reality is that that's a fear-driven statement because you're afraid you're going to lose more and that it's never going to come back again. When you start to hear yourself thinking that it's a great idea to get out of something at a loss just so you don't lose any more and that you're going to get back in, once it goes down further, you'll put your money back in and write it back up, that should be a huge red flag. That kind of thinking is fear-based thinking and it also is trying to push you towards doing market timing. Market timing means I can time the market. I know it's gonna keep going down, so I'll sell now and rebuy later. And it's also saying I'll know when I should rebuy later because I'll be able to tell you when we're at the bottom. And market timing is not something that actually works. Market timing has been proven time and time and time and time again to not work. And that the effects of losing out on even a single really strong update in the market can have a very, very long-term negative effect in your portfolio. So when you start to feel like you need to get more defensive because you're afraid while the market's falling, you are now in stage two where your anxiety and your nervousness about the market has now started to shift to fear. Congratulations to Mary Stirk for being named three years in a row to the 2020 Forbes list for Best in State Wealth Advisors and Top Women Wealth Advisors. Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about your emotions and the market and how listening to your emotional cues might not be the strongest strategy when markets are volatile and moving up and down. So we started with stage one, where we talked about feeling optimism, thrill, and euphoria. And then we talked about moving into stage two, where as the market turns down, you start to feel anxiety, fear, and pain and panic. You eventually get to that panic mode. And stage three is where panic starts. So the emotions connected with stage three are horrible ones. It's panic, capitulation, and despondency. Boy, that's a really, really rough word, despondency. So the third phase of the cycle What's happening is that, generally speaking, we're in a bear market. And a bear market is defined as the market being down 20% from its high and being there for at least two months. And when we're in a bear market, investors frequently start to emotionally become desperate. Many panic and withdraw from the market altogether. And that is exactly what that Wall Street, article, Wall Street Journal article was talking about is retirees panicking and getting out of the market when it was towards its bottom. And why do they do that? They're just afraid of more losses. 
And then the people who stay in the market start to become despondent and wonder whether the markets are ever going to recover and whether they should really be in them at all. They start to question their whole strategy and question their whole game plan. And gosh, did they make all the wrong decisions? And did they even do anything right? And the ironic part of this is at the time where you're feeling the most despondent, most investors will fail to recognize that they're actually at the point of maximum financial opportunity. Now, I heard a really wise person once say that there are probably around six to eight great buying opportunities in every investor's lifetime. And you know when they are, they're towards the bottom of the market. So when you're in your emotional market cycle of capitulation, of just throwing your hands up in the air and saying, I give up and selling everything, or when you're despondent because you think, oh my gosh, I made all the wrong decisions, the reality is that is probably your maximum financial opportunity point where investing money at that point is something that could really potentially pay off in the long run. Okay. Now we move into stage four, markets have hit their bottom and they're starting to move up again. So the fourth stage of the cycle, most investors experience some skepticism. So when the markets start to rise, they really are skeptical that this is gonna be something that can ever recover again. They often have a real sense of caution or worry, wondering if the growth will last. They don't trust it. The pain is too fresh. The concern and despondency is too real. They still feel the scars of that, so they don't trust that the markets are actually recovering. And people are going to be reluctant to invest money at the market in the point when prices are still relatively low and opportunities are attractive. And why? Because they're just afraid it's going to go back down and dip down. So we see skepticism, caution, and worry and then that tends to last back up to the point where we have some hope and then move right back into optimism like, oh, well, maybe that bad time is over. Maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe this is going to get better. I sure hope so. And then as things start to improve and we see recovery in the markets and then we start to see making real money again, the cycle starts over. We move right back into optimism and then we start to get excited and by God at the top of the market we're euphoric again and that my friends is the emotional market cycle that goes with the ups and downs of the market so the reality here is that emotions turn rational investors into irrational investors and so it's important to remember that markets move and your investments are continually going to go either up or down, either in your favor or out of your favor, and that is the nature of the beast. And it ties right back to your risk tolerance level. How much risk should you have in your portfolio? Now, if you're thinking about changing the risk in your portfolio, you don't wanna do it at the point of panic and despondency. <laughs> An abject fear. That's the wrong time to make a change. 
The right time to make a change in your risk tolerance level is when the markets are in a good spot. When they're at or near their highs, that's the right time for you to reevaluate your risk levels and decide if you would be comfortable taking that roller coaster ride again. So, when you start to feel any of these emotions, these are the ones that should be red flags for you and help you check yourself. So if you realize you're feeling these, you shouldn't be making big investment change decisions. Number one, overconfidence. When you are very confident about your ability to pick all winners, it probably means that the market's been doing so well for a while that almost everything is up. And when you hit that point of overconfidence, that is probably a good time to think about adjusting your risk level and maybe getting a little less risky <laughs> because if anyone can pick out winners all the time, probably means the market's due for a correction. The second one, when you feel yourself feeling loss averse, like, oh, I don't want to lose anything. Okay, market research indicates that feeling a loss causes twice as much pain as the positive emotion that comes with gain. So you have twice as much pain than you with a loss than you get pleasure from a gain. And when we have a lot of volatility, we feel that sense of loss more acutely. So if you find yourself thinking thoughts like, oh gosh, I don't wanna lose anything. You know, I wanna make some money, but I just don't wanna lose anything. That is the time at the top of the market to think about adjusting your risk level, but don't do it while it's on the way down. You definitely need to have it be a red flag if you find yourself wanting to time the market. And if you think you can pull out and get back in at advantageous times, you will miss the best days and you will be sorry that you tried to do market timing. It has never worked yet. And if computers with advanced algorithms can't figure it out, then for sure, people just sitting and watching the market are not gonna make the right call on that. So if you find yourself with those emotions and they're tempting you to make changes, I highly suggest you reach out and talk to your advisor to make sure that what you're doing isn't just an emotional response. The other thing that you can tell yourself is if your emotions are telling you to do something, it's probably likely the best investment move is the exact opposite of what your emotions are telling you to do. Because we know when you're feeling that euphoria, your emotions are telling you to buy, 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 and that might be the time to sell. And when your fear is driving things and you've thrown up your hands in capitulation and you're so panicked about your accounts and you're like, I gotta just sell this all before I lose another dime, sell, 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 the reality is the best investment decision is probably to buy. So taking your emotions, understanding them, and probably doing the opposite most likely is a reasonable strategy for many investors. Now let's talk about this concept of the arithmetic of loss. And this is part of the reason why it's so hard to come back if you make the wrong decision at the bottom of the market. Because we think about money and returns in terms of percentages. Most people think, oh, I made you know, 10% on my investment, that's great. Or I made 4% on my, you know, account. That, that's a good conservative return. Or I'm only getting 0.6% on my savings account. Gosh, I wish that'd go up. So we think about returns in terms of percentages. 
Allianz put out a good study that was talking about the arithmetic of loss. And the reality is that if you lose money, whatever percent of money you lose, to get back to even, you have to make a greater percent on the way up. And that's because when you're measuring with percentages, you're starting at different points. So for instance, if your portfolio lost 5%, then measuring from the bottom, you would have to make back up 5.26% to return to break even. Now, that might not sound like too big of a difference. Ah, oh, it's a quarter percent more, I'll get back to even. Very true, it's not that much of a difference at the smaller numbers. But if we go up to 10%, let's say you had a 10% loss, then you would need overall from the bottom point to make up 11.11% to get back to break even. So now you have doubled your loss, but instead of only having an extra quarter percent to get back up to where you were now, it's five times that almost, between four and five times that, and you have to get 11.11 if you lost 10%. Now let's go all the way to the extreme. Okay, the market was down over 30% in the first quarter during the pandemic. If you had a 30% loss in your portfolio, measuring from the bottom, you would need to overall return 42.86% to get back to break even. So the arithmetic of losses on the way down, it's a smaller number, and on the way back up, you gotta make a bigger number just to get back to where you were. So if you sell at the bottom and you kill your ability to ever make it back up to that top point, you're locking in this loss and the arithmetic of loss says, boy, it's gonna be many, many, many years until you have the opportunity to get back to break even if you sell listening to your emotions at the wrong time. Okay, I hope that has been good information for you to evaluate your own emotions. I bet you can resonate with some of the things that we talked about, some of those thoughts. And I hope that this has been valuable in helping you understand how to understand your emotions and then to not make poor decisions by listening to them. Understand them and then know what to do instead. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice you should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Stirk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data. 
rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The word is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.